0: Uh, it's going to be a great, great morning. Uh, if, if you're just joining us, uh, or if you missed a couple weeks throughout the month of August, we've been in a series called uh, Bad Apples. And uh, the, the whole uh, focus of this series uh, has been to dial in on fruit in our life that may be bad. And so we've had topics taught on such as greed and anger, uh, fear, lust, adultery. All of these things have been taught about. And I want to encourage you, if you've not listened to any of the teachings, you can pick those up as soon as service is done at our media center. They're also available for free online uh, on our website so that you uh, can uh, have, a, have a renewed understanding uh, of, the, of the power that God wants us to walk in and live in. And uh, today, pastors asked me to teach uh, the final portion of this series and he wants me to touch on the transition from you know producing bad fruit uh, to good fruit it's quite a tension isn't it and before we dial in on this I want to just bring the whole room to a understanding of what it is when I'm talking about fruit because I know there may be some people here uh that when I say fruit you think of a banana it's okay there may be some people here that when I say fruit, you said okay, gotcha. Uh, he's going to talk about what we produce with our lives, understand it. There may be some people here uh, that dial into you know, Galatians 5.22 and say, oh, he's talking about the fruit of the spirit. We want to have spiritual fruit. Fruit is a natural result in our world, right, of a healthy plant producing what it's designed to produce. But in the Bible, the word fruit is often used to describe a per- person's outward actions that result from the condition of the heart. And we understand through our interpretation of Scripture that good fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I got them all. If I didn't, text me later. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives, the more this fruit becomes evident. And Jesus even told his followers in John chapter 15, verse 16, says, I chose you, you being us, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So if we were going to settle on an acceptable definition of fruit, it would be this. A fruit is the measure of effectiveness of our spiritual life. The fruit is what's happening in us. The fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of God, it happens in our thought life, it happens in our heart, and it happens around us. That's our fruit. So all month we've been talking about bad fruit, but today I have the wonderful privilege to teach on how we transition from bad fruit to good fruit in our lives. It's such a tension. And as I set this this, 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 this. Morning up, I'm going to be teaching from two particular scripture verses, a passage of scripture. One's in Galatians, and one's going to be found in Matthew. My primary verse will be in Matthew. Let's go ahead and dial in on Galatians for just a minute. Because Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, speaks to this tension of taking bad fruit and seeing to become good fruit. And Paul opens his teaching by speaking to the Galatian church, this young church, this Galatian church, many theologians believe this church would have been uh, filled with teenagers and uh, young adults, college age, possibly early, early 30s. It was a very young, young church. And so he's instructing them in the first portion of Galatians 5. He's first saying, hey guys, if we're going to have good fruit, it begins by first re- rejecting religious rules and having a relationship with Jesus. I'm obviously summarizing. Then he continues on in verse 3. It's not about giving into the pressure that people create. Continuing on, he said, it's, if we're going to have good fruit, as a church, as, as followers of Christ, it's about responding to the needs of others. And finally, he it says it's about relying on the Holy Spirit. But where I want to build this message around is going to be found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. After Paul's just encouraged this young church uh, with all of these uh, uh, items, he says this to them, which is almost like a turn of events. He, said, he says this, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? from obeying the truth. Other translations say, you were doing so great, but who have you allowed to hinder you? Quite a turn of of heart. Paul says, you started well, but now there's something hindering you. What was it? Let's pray. Father, as we jump into this message, uh, thank you for speaking through me and bringing revelation to the heart of every precious person that's here changes. We love you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Uh, several years ago, um, we, Grace and I lived in Orlando. By the way, many of you asked if the baby's here yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay, we have a baby coming any day. <laughs> so if I drop this headset off and I'm running out, and you're like, what's going on? It's because there's a baby coming. Okay. Um, Several years ago, uh, we, when we lived in Orlando previously, um, there was uh, a place that I would go uh, to get my hair cut. And for the sake of sensitivity, I don't want to reveal the name, but it rhymes with Schmer sh- Schnuttery. okay? And um, uh, I would go there because there's a particular uh, stylist uh, that, that was just, she was good with my hair. And, and I don't have a crazy hairstyle. I don't have a wild Pentecostal hairdo or something. I, that's, that's not me. Um, but, but I do like, you know, I, I, I like when I've, Find somebody that makes me feel comfortable with how my hair is being, being cut, and so I would frequently go to her uh, whenever it's time for my hair to be cut. Well, there's one particular day. This is years ago. Uh, I was out and about, and um, I was I was speaking on a Sunday morning at the church we were serving at the time, and I thought, well, let, I, you know, let me get, let me, get let me get my my hair cut, and so I called um, this establishment, and I said, hey, is so and so there? They said, yes, she's here. and uh, We closed in about an hour, so you better get here quick. So I I drove quickly uh, there, and I I sat down, and and she began to to cut my hair. And... um Throughout this process, it's evident that she's rushed. She's trying to check people out. Uh, She's trying to uh, clean up as she's cutting. Uh, The the talk and the commotion in the store all points to, hey, we want to get people in and out of here, because we're just a few minutes away from closing. So she's in the middle of cutting my hair. She's moving quickly. She's talking. She's conversing. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, with these these scissors, uh, I just hear this this loud snip, and I hear her cry out in this tremendous uh, cry of pain. And as she runs to the back room holding her finger. And as I look down on my lap like this to see what was going on and just kind of, I, just, just, I, I kid you not, this little piece of finger skin fell off my head and onto my lap. And uh, the stylist uh, took off a pretty significant chunk of her finger because she was in a rush. She was moving so quickly. And uh, the people at the store, her coworkers. Uh, obviously I forgave her. It was, it's whatever. I didn't, you know, wasn't going was go see her anymore. But from that point forward, from that point forward, her nickname was established. And friends, I want to tell you what it was. It was Chunk. They called her Chunk from then on. If I would have called said, hey, is Chunk working today? They said, she sure is. Come on in. And so this was now her, her, her identity. And, and her, her mistake had now identified her right? Her mistake was now her identity. And this morning, I want to briefly talk to you about your identity, because because if we're going to learn what it means to go from bad fruit in our life to good fruit in our life, we have to realize something, that good fruit does not turn into bad fruit until we realize what our function is. We can't go from this thing to that thing until we have an established purpose right? When you purchase your phone from the store, you purchased it knowing its function so that it can serve a good purpose for you. Years ago, if somebody would have presented you with this phone, you said, well, I don't know what it is. Maybe it be a door stopper. I don't know, but the function would have been bad. The use of it would have been bad because you didn't understand the function. And if we're going to see a transition in our life away from fruit that may be bad in our life to embracing uh, good fruit and seeing fruit produced in us and around us and in our family, we have to start, we have to pause, and we have to understand that we have an identity. We have an identity. And I want to define what our identity is this morning. Our identity can mean a bunch of different things. It's a very vague word. But for the purpose of this morning, we're going to define it as such. Your identity, my identity, identity is believing and being who God Says you are. Our identity is believing and being who God says that we are. And the world that we live in so often tries to marry our issues with our identity. The stylist made a mistake. She could never live the mistake down. Could it very well be that you're here this morning and there's a mistake that you made in your life that you've been unable to shake the effects or consequences of that mistake. Maybe at work you made a bad decision and so people labeled you as lazy. Maybe you have this issue, so people label you as this. Or maybe uh, at a season in your life, you struggled with alcohol and it had affected your life in such a negative way. And so now your children have labeled you as an alcoholic or a deadbeat or whatever. The fact is you're not that anymore because Jesus has saved you, but still the issue tries to be our identity. And people are very good sometimes at making sure that our issue stays our identity despite the fact that we've changed. Do you have anybody like that in your life? And some precious people are here today because you've, and you've accepted this lie that your issue is your name. I'm just angry all the time. It's what I do. I'm just angry. I'm an angry person. People have confirmed it. They've spoken it over me. I clearly struggle with it from time to time. I'm just angry. I'm just, I, 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 my, my issue is, is my health. I, I'm just a sick person all the time. I'm sick. I'm just a sickly person. I'm sick. Oh, well, there's that man who's a womanizer. That's just what he is. Oh, there they go. That family is out of order. Have you seen them? Have you seen their kids? They're out of order. Hey, there goes the cheat. Look out, the cheat is walking by. And if we're not careful, if we don't know our identity, we'll allow the bad fruit in our life to become part of our identity. And so rather than dealing with the fruit that's rotten or the fruit that needs to be touched and changed by Jesus, we'll accept it, we'll embrace it, we'll protect it sometimes, we'll fall back on it, we'll use it as an excuse. And maybe there's some people here that you're very aware of this concept and the direction of where I'm going, and you try so hard not to be identified by your issue, but you can't break free from it, because even though it's been years you still walk with this tremendous amount of guilt and shame for what you've done or what you haven't done. It's like a chain that weighs you down. It's not just the action. It's now become your identity. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. because 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 says that he, being Jesus, has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And what that means is this, that when we give our lives to Jesus, in that moment, we abandon every image of ourself that is not from God. In that moment, we commit to stop accepting what others have said about us, how others have labeled us, how people have defined us. In fact, we begin to live our life believing what God says about us that he's pleased with us. God loves you. He loves you more than you could ever love yourself. I know somebody rolled in here today feeling like your life has fallen apart, and you feel guilty because you look at all the mistakes you made, but I want you to know that God loves you. He's pleased with you. That's what's so supernatural about God. We can't contain his love and his desire for us into natural thinking. This is what defines us. We're we're not defined by the opinions of others or of our children or of our coworkers or of our ex-husband or ex-wife or our current husband or wife. We're not defined by the circumstances or mistakes or by the bad fruit in your life from your past. You're not defined by your successes or your failures. It doesn't matter what you drove into church with today. It doesn't matter whose hand you were holding, it doesn't matter what you wear, it doesn't matter your lifestyle, it doesn't doesn't matter how much money you make. When we give our lives to Jesus, we embrace and accept a divine function. We commit ourselves to the Lord, understanding that now as we love Jesus and as he loves us, and as we worship Jesus and as he strengthens and empowers and enables us, that we now have a function. There is something that we are to produce. There's something that by our hands, by our faith, by our smiles, by our, by our kindness, right, that we are producing in the world around us. We begin to produce fruit in our life our spiritual lives now have an effectiveness in the world in which we live praise the lord that's really great for us to know well it's not that simple you know it actually I know there's a lot of complexity in life but theologically yes it is It's, it's very simple it really is I love going to children's church because you say, hey, boys and girls, uh, Jesus, Jesus heals people. And they go, really? Cool. <laughs> you know? All right. You know, as adults we go, well, you know, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? And one time, and I'm, saying, I'm not God. And then you did it, and then one time they hurt. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know who you are in God's eyes, then you're vulnerable to other people telling you who you are. If you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, you're vulnerable to other people telling you who you are. Our identity is not created. It's not bought in a store. It's not found in who we marry. It's not the addition of right things in our life, subtracting the wrong things in our life, and whatever the balance is, that's how we're going to be or how we are. It has nothing to do with that. It's not found on the court or in the field. It's, it's not found in the boardroom. It's, it's, it's given to you by Jesus, but not on your own. And our, our identity, it doesn't come from church, right? It, it doesn't come from, from this. It, it comes from, from Scripture. Our identity doesn't come from the stuff we have or our job or our social status. And this is, this is really freeing for somebody who struggles with this aspect of, of producing fruit, having an effective spiritual life, because as I was preparing my notes um, this morning, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say that there's, there's a woman who will be here today that you spent all day yesterday comparing your life to your friends on Facebook. You looked at what she had and her kids and, and heard this and their perfect life, and you looked at your life and, and, and you got angry. Because you thought, I don't, I don't, I don't have everything like she's got. I don't have everything like like they got. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you feel worthless because, because there's this something's missing. And and you you don't know what it is. And and you feel like you're just kind of going through this motion and you can't pinpoint what it is. And you know there's more to this faith than than attending and leaving. I'm not saying people I'm, I'm I'm not generalizing our church. I'm just saying that maybe there's one or two individuals here that the, the summary of your Christian faith is just coming to a church and, and, and leaving. And I want you to know that there's, there's so much more to it. And you're here frustrated because you feel like you don't have everything that you ever dreamed or want, wanted in your life. And, and I want to help you out by saying this uh, this morning. Uh, God will not let you have everything at the expense of his absence. The reason why you perceive your life to be this fruitless life, that you don't have everything, you don't have that job, you you don't have those friends, you don't have that money, it's not because you're not good enough. The reason why that may not be moving and manifesting in your life, friend, it's because of divine protection. It's because God loves you so much to see into your tomorrow as a good father to give you today what you need and to withhold from what you don't need. It could very well be that that promotion could be designed to destroy you. And the reason why she or he was promoted over you is not because of your inability and you want to get angry and upset and you want to have bad fruit now in the office and gossip and this and that. But the fact is, it was God's orchestrating protection over your life. Whoa! So we see that as our identity is uncovered, we understand that God has a much larger purpose for what we perceive to be setbacks. And he even has a purpose with our bad fruits. So beautiful. So this morning as we, I'm gonna move very quickly, I wanna share from a story in scripture. And this morning if you didn't bring your Bibles, we have gigantic screens and uh, they'll pop up there for you. Big old Bibles in the skies, how about that? Miraculous. Um, but today I'm gonna to read um, quickly from Mark chapter five. And this, this really is, uh, as I prepared my heart for all God wants to do in our family and in, our min- in the ministry in general, this story kept coming back. I shared this particular passage with our youth on Wednesday. It was so powerful. Mark chapter 5, as you're turning there, as, we, as we're talking about our fruit and our identity, we set it up. Many of us are familiar with the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Jesus has just uh, had an interaction with a demon-possessed uh, a woman. And and delivers her. And the crowd is following Jesus. Word is out that Jesus is a miracle worker. Word is out that that Jesus is the answer. Word is out that Jesus is the solution. And people are flocking from all over to see Jesus in his glory. And so, in Mark chapter 5, a leader of a synagogue, which would be the modern-day church, I guess you can say, of the time, approaches Jesus, and he comes to Jesus, and he says... uh, my daughter is sick. She's going to die. And so Jesus agrees to meet with her. And we're going to pick up right here in verse 24, right as Jesus has agreed to meet with this daughter. Something miraculous happens. Verse 24 Jesus went with him, the leader of the synagogue, and all of the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with an issue of constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized that once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around and asked the crowd, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look, this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened uh, to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. He said to her, daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This story of Jesus' interaction with this woman has gripped me. It's probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Many theologians believe that this woman with this issue would have been an abdominal issue, that she was not very old. She would have been in her 20s, uh, possibly early 30s, and she had an abdominal uterus condition And we know that this woman was desperate, that she was hopelessly incurable, and we know that she had nothing left. And you know what intrigues me about this woman? This woman who had this sickness for 12 years does not have a recorded name in Scripture. When we teach and talk about this woman, she's commonly known, as the woman with the issue of blood. Many Bibles will have a a title above this passage of Scripture. It's entitled, The Woman with the Issue of Blood. We know that there there was a condition that was robbing her of living a fruitful life. And we don't know if her name was Rachel or Rebecca or Sarah or Jessica Bonquiqui, we don't know what her name was, we have no idea. We don't know anything other than about her that she had an issue, and her issue was her identity. Everybody here this morning has an issue, that's judgmental, no, because I got one too. We all do, we're sinners saved by grace. But I wonder how many of us have allowed our issues to become our identity. For this woman, her issue dominated her life. Under the law of Moses, she was unclean, no husband could touch her. What she touched was unclean, and for 12 years, she struggled with this condition. She spent everything she had. The doctors tried everything, and she suffered through that. She spent all she had. This condition would have caused every moment. Uh, to become an effort, she was embarrassed, the pain was, was just unbearable. Every moment was an effort for this poor woman. Until this day, we still call her the woman with the issue of blood. Could it be possible that there's somebody here this morning and you still call yourself the guy who can't keep a marriage? Could it be possible that there's a woman here and, and, and you still call yourself the, the, the woman who will never get over her hurt and anger? Could it be possible that there's a young person here that made a mistake and you'll never get over that issue of, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm that person that, that just can't ever succeed. I failed everything. Is it possible that somebody here has allowed your issue to become your identity? And because of that, you stopped the production and allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to renew you and change it so that your life would produce good fruit. And you've embraced, and you've managed, and you've counted, and you've kept, and you've preserved the bad fruit in your life. And you're here today, and you're frustrated, thinking, I can't buy my way out of it. I can't date my way through it. I can't, per- I can't this. I can't that. Nothing is a solution. I want to tell you this morning that there is a solution. There is a solution. It's amazing how many times the issue becomes our name. There he is, the drug addict. There he is. He's poor. There he is, the alcoholic. There she is, the alcoholic. There goes the liar. Our society wants so desperately to marry our issue with our identity. But this morning, the most important thing is not that your issue goes away, but that your issue and your identity divorce. That your issue... And your identity becomes separated. And many come to church and and let go of their issues. And they they feel the hope and the renewed purpose. And they begin to dream of what good fruit would look like in their life. And they don't do the action anymore of what they used to do. And that's great. But they never remove the issue from their identity. They still carry the guilt. They still rehearse the words spoken over them. They never give the Holy Spirit a chance to produce the right kind of fruit in their life. Well, my fruit will always be bad because of this issue. I've got some more good news for you. Because of Jesus Christ, who you are and what you struggle with are not the same. Who you are and what you struggle with are not the same. Your issue does not determine your identity. What are you talking about? Well, if you're here this morning and maybe there's a physical need in your body, your your issue is a physical need. Let me speak some faith over you. You are not here today as a sick person trying to get healthy. You're not. See yourself in Jesus' name as a healthy person who's fighting sickness. You are not a poor person trying to get blessed. You are a blessed person who's overcoming lack in Jesus' name. Your identity changes. You're not a lustful person trying to get pure. You're a pure person who's overcoming lust. You are not an addict trying to get free in the name of Jesus. You are a free person who's overcoming your addiction because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You are not a weak person trying to become strong. You are a strong person overcoming your limitation. You are not a liar trying to tell the truth. You are a truth teller who's overcome the temptation to lie. Parents, very important. If your children fib or tell a lie, don't don't call them a liar. Call them a truth teller. Speak over them their true identity, not their issue. You know, my favorite part of this text is this. When, when Jesus sees her, right? Oh my goodness, I love this. This just wars against everything inside of us whenever we encounter somebody who has, a, has an issue. Sometimes. When our minds are not renewed, our hearts are not right. When, when Jesus sees her pressing to this crowd, people are kicking her to the side. She's crawling. She's fighting. She's struggling to get to Jesus. And she touches Jesus' clothing, and power flows through him. I, I, I love I love what what Jesus says to her. Scripture says he turns and he doesn't say, who touched me? He didn't say, oh, it's you, woman with the issue of blood. He doesn't even call her name, though I know that he knows her name, right? He didn't call her by her name. He called her, he, he identified her something higher than her name. And he spoke to her new position. In that last portion, throw that last verse up there for me in the back if you can. When Jesus saw this woman, the very last verse, he says this to her. It's coming up on the screen. Very important for you to see this. He says to her in verse 34. calls her daughter. Earlier this week, Eliana, our almost four-year-old, uh, started VPK, and this is a new experience for her. She's young, and we're able to get her in a little early, so she's slightly, you know, she's, she's, just, she's younger than most of the kids there. And uh, as she's in class, um, her very first day, I pick her up, and there's a, there's a nice little note from the teacher. It's our first teacher's note, right? And uh, so I said, oh. And we gather all of her stuff, and as we're walking to the car, I'm reading the note, and it says, um, you know, just a very nice note written by the teacher, very, very nice note. Just wanted to let you know uh, that today Eliana didn't want to do her papers. And could you please just have a conversation with her tonight to let her know that her schoolwork is very important? I said, You bet. Okay, good. No. <laughs> and so we had a conversation, we prayed, and, and, and Eliana understood. Um, that night, we went home, and uh, it's been a very busy couple weeks, and so um, that night was was hot dog and macaroni night. Woo! <laughs> I can't cook. <laughs> that's it. Put, some, put a fork in it and microwave and stir it up, and hey, look at look what the Lord has done, you know? <laughs> so that's just what it is. And, um, and so Eliana was in her room, and, and, and our band can come up here at this point. Um, Eliana was in her room. And she was she was playing and, and I heard her playing and I was, just, I was just so happy, you know, just to have her in her room playing. And and um, as the hot dogs came out, and as the mac and cheese uh, was finished and the smell began to move its way through through our home, um, I, I heard this little voice in the in the back room saying, Is it ready yet? You know, and I said, Not nah, yet, yeah, baby, we're still working on it. So she wait. And she was getting hungry, it's now six o'clock. Is it ready yet? And so finally, we said, baby, the, the, the food is ready. Come on and get it. And I heard uh, from her room, I heard these two little feet going, just running because we live on the second story of this condo, so everything makes noise. And so she's running as fast as she can, and she climbs up at this table, and we put the food down. And, and I, I want to paint a picture here because uh, she, she came running. She was living in my house, right? And, and she, she's about to eat the food that, that I purchased, right, that, and, she, and, and prepared for her. Right, and and this is my home. I'm the I'm the I'm the priest of my home. You know all this. Stuff. This is stuff that I made. Uh, I made sure that she had portion. And I want to tell you something. That in that moment, I did not let my daughter climb up in that chair just to look at her and say, "Sorry, honey, you can't eat. You can't eat because you're a rule breaker. You broke the rules. You can't have portion tonight. Come back tomorrow, and if you do right, then you can eat." No, because even though she got in trouble, she's my daughter. Above and beyond her mistake, above and beyond her name, I will make sure that she has provision because of her place in my family. And Scripture tells us that we have, when we give our lives to Jesus, that we've been adopted into God's family. We've been adopted spiritually. And I want you to know that if you're here today and you're, you're struggling with this, you're, with things in your life and you feel like there's no fruit, there's no forward motion, it could very well be that you don't need to do better things or do this or less of that. It could very well be that you've forgotten your identity. You've forgotten how much Jesus loves you. You've forgotten how much the King of kings and the Lord of lords is crazy about you. You forgot about it. And if we're gonna make the transition from bad fruit to good fruit, we have to get a hold of this identity, that God is for us, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he'll never reject us, he'll never turn us away. There's not one thing you can do to make God disgusted Not one thing, because he loves you. He loves me, he loves us. And I want you to know that whatever your issue is tonight, whatever your today, whatever your need is today, that you didn't just come to a church and sitting in a pew. No, 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 friend. Let me tell you where you really are. Right now in this moment, you're sitting at the king's table. You're sitting at the king's table and you have access to the king's portion because of your role in the relationship to him. You didn't have to do anything to earn it. You didn't have to be perfect. You didn't have to be this religious know-it-all. Thank God. All you had to do was just in your heart Say Jesus, I need you, and I love you. So simple. Say in your heart, Jesus. You say this in your heart. I I, I just I, I cast off every every image, every wrong word that was spoken about me. That time I got fired from my job and that pain just seared my heart, and I held on to that wound. And that lie that I'm, un- I'm not hireable. And the reason you haven't found that job is because you're afraid of being rejected. It's a wound. It's a hurt. But friend, you can, you can have change in your life through Jesus if you take on the fact that he loves you and his identity for you. And he has a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful plan and purpose for you. And that your identity is not found in your accomplishment. Your identity is simply found in what Jesus has done for you. I don't know what your issue is today, but I want you to know that no more are you allowed, because of the release of this word, to think of yourself as Steve, the issue of anger, or Mary, the issue of unforgiveness, or Sally with the issue of sickness, or Bill with the issue of poverty, Or Samantha with the issue of continual heartache and hurt. It's not your identity. That's not your identity. The minute that she reached out, this woman and touched Jesus, it caught his attention. Can you catch it? In the middle of the crowd, everybody's pressing up against Jesus. It took one woman's faith to reach out and say, I need him. I need him minute she did that miracle in this place can we stand together and if you feel comfortable would you just join me in just worshiping the Lord for just a moment father we thank you that you've given us a new name hallelujah we thank you that you've given us a renewed purpose Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you for your touch, for your healing. In the name of Jesus, in this room right now, by the power of Jesus Christ, we come against anxiety in your mind. No longer, sir, are you the man with anxiety, sleepless nights confusion and pain and fear in your heart. In Jesus' name, be set free. Be set free from that issue. God's given you clarity of thought. He's given you vision. He's given you wisdom for how to deal with your finances, for how to interact with your children and with your wife. I speak over a dying marriage, whether it be a child of yours or a marriage that's here in this room. We no longer call that marriage a marriage that has an issue, we say in faith that marriage is becoming restored in Jesus' name. We speak to a relationship that may be difficult with a child, we no longer say that relationship's bad. We say that relationship is on its way to a miracle because we have a different identity. We speak to the bad fruit in our life And Lord, we we declare that it's not up to us to fix what's bad. It's simply up to us to come and to offer you our lives, to offer you what we perceive to be dead, because you take what's dead and you make it alive. You're not concerned with taking bad and making it good. You want what's dead to become alive. And in Jesus' name, I speak to somebody here that's not dreamed. I speak to somebody here that's given up hope. I speak to somebody here that feels weary and exhausted, like you've used everything you've got and you're here on empty. And I want to say in the name of Jesus, begin to dream again, dream again. Do not grow weary in well-doing because your God is very, very, very large. And he's very, very capable. And I want you to know, you might not see it today or tomorrow, but we do have a promise in his word, and your miracle is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.